Today's podcast is brought to you by a huge snowstorm and, of course, Tim Tebow. Here we go. Blue Shirt Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I'm recording this on March 13th. It is light out, and there are 13 games left in the season. Coincidence? I think not. Greg, say hello. No, this is the last game of the year, man. This one? Tonight? The Lightning game? Yep. Okay. Well, there's no, there's going to be, there's going to be no uh, Northeast after tomorrow, we so. We could be we're, all dead. We're going to call it a year. Calling it a year. Did you get your bread and milk? I'm not coming home tomorrow. I am staying at a hotel next to the TV studio. So it doesn't matter even if I got food. I'm not going to be able to eat it. Okay. Um, are, they, uh, are they providing you with wonderful services there, such as a bed and a hot bath? Yes. It's actually light years better than what my old job in Savannah would have done, where Shots when we had a hurricane, they made me sleep on the floor of the uh, – sales department whereas my new station they know the weather's going to be shitty tomorrow instead of making me drive home they're putting me up in a decent hotel right next door so i one don't have to drive and two don't really have to move my car at all so that actually sounds uh, pretty nice to be honest with you despite yeah, you waking up at yeah, 3 a.m this morning that's it so um, well, i mean at the same time look work in the morning shift has its ups and its downs its downs are obviously trying to wake up at 2 a.m is miserable every day at the same time, getting out of work every day at noon, pretty fantastic. Yeah. Well, you have to go to bed when it's light out now, though. That's the problem. Yeah, last night stopped. Going to bed at like 7 o'clock when it was still sunny out was kind of depressing. Yeah, that's not going to be good once it's hot summer. On today's episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway, we're going to talk about uh, a special fourth liner close to our heart. A special defenseman that's not playing. Uh, we're also going to go through an injury to our favorite goalie. And we will probably be talking about some nonsense and how we were scared about the snowstorm. So, let's start with our favorite fourth liner, the glass himself. Greg, in... Uh, I thought we were going to talk about Oscar Lindbergh. We were not. I was <laughs> in Glass's first four games of the season. The Rangers are 3-1, and one, and he has tallied a goal and assist. Has he played well enough to stay on this team? No. <laughs> um... It's not even so much that, look, Tanner Glass hasn't been a colossal shit heap, right? I think that would be unfair. Yeah, that He's would be unfair. Fine. He's been fine. The problem, the problem with playing Tanner Glass kind of goes along the lines of, you know, the problem we've had all year playing Dan Girardi and Kevin Klein. Yeah, sure, there have been games where Klein and Girardi have been fine or even, I'd say, decent to good. It's just there are inherently better options available to the Rangers than what Tanner Glass gives. And I'm not necessarily saying that Matt Pumple is the end-all, be-all. Uh, I personally haven't seen a good explanation as to why Merrick Horivik or Nick Denson haven't worked called up instead of Tanner Glass. I, I, I just think they can do everything Tanner Glass can do and then some. There's no they? good explanation. The explanation is that A.V. loves him and they're boys. 
and that he gets paid a lot of money, so maybe they want to get some use out of him. That's the explanation. Yeah, but that's, that's unacceptable, right? That's, this is 21st century hockey. That doesn't make any sense. It does in a way that you you know he knows your system. Uh, he hasn't been a total possession nightmare. He has had some some good moments so far. So maybe they saw something down in the AHL. I mean, James would beg to differ. He would say they run. He was in the fourth line down in the AHL. So I'm not sure, but it hasn't been a total disaster. So I mean, right? But calling it. I uh, I feel like we're just lowering the bar as to how we should be judging Tanner Glass. We shouldn't be celebrating the fact that Tanner Glass hasn't been a colossal disaster. That's not the point. The point is to try and put out the best 12 forwards every night. And I don't think Tanner Glass at any point in time has been one of the 12 best forwards the New York Rangers can put out there. He's probably not the and top I haven't seen 15. any evidence. No. No. And – Again, it's one of those things where it is great that Tanner Glass has been fine. It's just, you know, it's hard to imagine Merrick Horivik or Nick Jensen not being better, just flat out. I, it's hard to think of a scenario where one of those two players is not at the minimum doing what Tanner Glass is doing and in all likelihood being able to contribute more. And I think the problem with Tanner Glass isn't so much – what he may or may not be able to do for the Rangers. It's just how AV utilizes him. Why in the world was Tanner Glass the extra skater when the Rangers were down a goal at the end of the third period against the Hurricanes? That, what? That was pretty bad. I, I did not understand that. Uh, was he trying to set up a hero moment? Is, is AV trying to get a movie deal? Because that's like, right? That's, what, how you, that's how you get that. Tanner Glass scores a goal and the Rangers go to overtime. Like, I don't, I don't know. That... But here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. If you're trying to win that game, I don't care if Tanner Glass had two goals that night. Tanner Glass is not one of your best uh, shot creators or someone who can capitalize in a scoring situation. No, he's your worst. He gets junk goals. It's what he does. Yeah, all And it's fine them. to get junk goals, but – you don't, under any circumstance, put Tanner Glass in the lineup when you need a goal. It just it doesn't make any sense. It, it boggles the mind, I would say. I'd go so far to say that it boggles the mind. I, uh, listen, they love each other. Sometimes you can't stop true love on a hockey team. There's just, maybe we're, we're not counting for the chemistry, the things we're not seeing, the things that are Tanner's bringing behind the scenes. I'm trying to defend him. No, I think, I, think the pro- I think the problem is A.V. is trying to see these things that just simply don't exist. Hmm, hmm, hmm. There is a future problem coming, Greg. Uh, well, let's talk about the problem now, and then we'll talk about the future problem. Is it actually a problem sure. that Henrik Lundqvist is out two to three weeks with a lower body injury? Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't think so either. I... Is it a blessing in disguise? I want to go that far. Okay. Um, I'm a little uncomfortable. The only thing about Henrik's injury that makes me uncomfortable is the fact that he's not going to have as much time as I would like him to have to get ready for the playoffs, right? So the problem with Henrik's injury is not the Rangers' push to the playoffs. I don't want Rusty Henrik for the first round, whoever we're playing. Uh, We've seen Rusty Henrik before. 
especially going into the playoffs. I would want fine-tuned Henrik that allows him to be at the top of his game, that allows him to be in the right rhythm with the team around him. I, I wish this injury happened two to three weeks ago. That would be perfect. Because uh, uh, ha- happening, like- happening, right na- happening right now is, is poor timing, quite honestly. Because he'll have about a week to get back. He will have some good teams to play, I believe. I don't have the schedule in front of me right now. I only have the next couple games. But I believe he plays the Penguins the last game. I think the Senators is the game before that. So I think he'll have some time to get back into shape for the playoffs. He'll be playing against playoff teams. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers will be trying but in those games. The, well, the, yeah, but that's, the, that's really the main question. Do you want Henrik getting back in game shape, or do you want Henrik already there and work or working out whatever bugs he has to work out. Right. You know, the answer, like that's, that's the real question. Yeah. The answer is you'd rather have them ready to go. If this injury happened at the beginning of, or mid February, we'd be fine. I don't think we even be spending this much time on it. It's the fact that this injury has happened a little too close to the stretch run for my liking. Like, as you mentioned, we only have 13, 13 games. games left. Yeah. Uh, Hank is probably going to miss the majority of those. I would, and say, I would say at least eight. I, that's less than ideal, Yeah, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So that gives Hank about uh, five to six to, I would say, four to six games to get back into playoff shape. I don't know if that's enough time, like you're saying. Right. And, you know, maybe this is all much to do about nothing, because maybe Hank comes back, doesn't miss a beat, and he's, you know, the same guy that had been playing for the Rangers before his injury, which was not maybe not Pete Henrik, but we were getting, you know, the top 90% performance out of Henrik Lundqvist that we've seen this year. Uh, and now, you know, there's a question mark. Missing two to three weeks, missing eight games at least, it's hard, if not impossible, to be at your best when you come back. It takes a special kind of player to be able to just dust off that much rust and be ready to go for the playoffs. Now, of course, Hank, if anyone can do it, it's him. He is a special kind of player. He is a star. He's one of the greatest goaltenders in NHL history. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I'd be lying to say I wasn't a little worried. I'm definitely worried. I would say, I would say my worry level is like a six. A little bit more than normal but not full-out panic because again it's one of those things at the same time right anti-ranta has been fantastic it's yeah. not exactly like the rangers are going to be playing marcus helberg in these eight games you're setting up my next helberg so maybe he go. maybe gets a start he yeah. maybe gets a start this is where i was do you think helberg since we have so many back-to-backs coming up gets a start at all i think he gets one i think he i think he gets one uh and i i, I think he gets one just because it'll be awfully hard for the Rangers to go this stretch of games without him getting one, just because you still have to protect Ranta a little bit. I'm not saying Ranta needs to sit every other game on a back-to-back. Ranta should be fresh enough and has sat enough this year where he can handle a couple back-to-backs without a break. But well, I think you've got to get Helberg at least one. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think Helberg, went the 10 minutes he did play this year, he looked good. So I'd like to see him over a full he's, game. He's fine. Yeah. He's fine. He's a backup. He's a backup goaltender. He's a guy you're comfortable with playing 
once over a two to three week period. Yeah, right. You don't want to rely on Marcus Helberg night in and night out. But Thank if you. you're going to have to play a guy once, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And again, the Rangers, this is, this is the good thing about the position the Rangers are in. doesn't really matter what Marcus Helberg does in his one start. As long as nobody else gets hurt because of Marcus Helberg, we're fine. We're all right. Not the end of the world. It's just the only, the only thing that makes the Henrik injury problematic is the time in which it happened. This is not the time of the year I would want my number one goaltender hurt. If this happened two, three weeks ago, we're fine. The fact that it's happening now, this close to April, you know, what if he has one setback? If he has one setback, we're talking about him missing the rest of the regular season. We're going to the playoffs with Anthony Rotten. And then if he misses, which again, not, maybe not the worst thing in the world, but as much as I love Ronta, I'd feel not Henrik. You know, a million times more comfortable with Hank. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, he hasn't even started his rehab yet, as of reports of today, as March 13th. I, sh- I should mention this, and I'm pretty sure you guys have figured this out already. We are recording this before the Lightning game tonight, uh, and I will be putting it in my comments for the Lightning game, because I will be watching as Greg is getting ready for the snowstorm to become a news snow reporter for tomorrow. So. Oh, so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. I really and by can't. how excited I am, I mean... How much you want to... Not, not that excited. Not that excited. <laughs> so that was, I'm being perfectly honest. That was a little bit uneventful, the way you said that. I was like, ready for some real rant. You were like, eh, I guess I'm just not really that excited. No, because, you know, here's the thing. If I lived in Savannah, I'd give you a rant. But one, I like the people I work with. And uh, two, you know, I'm in news. I knew this was going to be a thing. Like, it, when other people have days off, those are the days I know I'm going to have to work. That's just that's fair. That's fair. Part of being in news. So I'm not angry that I have to work. It's just <laughs> that's just what it is, my friend. It is. It is what it is, man. Pavel Buchnevich is now on the second line. This is where is we. He though? I mean, technically, theoretically, actually, he's on the second line with with uh, Rick Nash and Mika Zibanejad, and uh, they will be skating side against the Lightning also. So how long do you think he stays on that line before he goes down to the fourth and they switch him with VC? Uh, I don't know. It depends on well Tanner Glass plays, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Second star, here's, Tanner Glass. Here's the thing, right? It seems as though AV has at least accepted the fact that Jimmy VC is struggling. So Jimmy VC is not getting playing time over... Pavel Buchnevich, which is the correct move. Because mind you, Buchnevich has outplayed him this year. That's just that's just straight, flat out. It's a flat out. And it's not me saying, it's not me trying to say that Jimmy VC is a bust. I'm not trying to say that Jimmy VC is a bad player. I'm simply saying that, as far as this year is concerned, Jimmy VC is not as good for the Rangers right now as. Pavel Buchnevich. Pavel Buchnevich has been the proven playmaker. He's performed when put in the positions and given the opportunity. The better passer. Buch, when on the ice, has been good. Flat out. Full stop. Even scored an empty net goal the other night. Uh, very, very exciting. For I've, been, I've been impressed with Buch since the jump. The guy makes plays. Can he do a little bit more um, back-checking? Can he do a little bit more in the defensive zone? Sure. But he's also a 20-year-old winger who is trying to figure out how to play at the NHL level. Not exactly going to knock him for not doing something as well as, say, Rick Nash, who's been in the league since, you know, 
freaking numb. Forever. Absolutely forever. It's just, it's one of those situations where we've seen how successful the Grabner, Hayes, Miller line is. So there's zero reason to break that up at any point. And we've also seen um, Kreider plays better with Zuccarello, right? Yep, that's fair. I don't think that's, that's, that's not me trying to they say anything. They and- really well together. Because Kreider's style is crash the net where, you know, Zuccarello is more be crafty. So together, they, right. they have and, chemistry. And I think it's good for those two guys to be playing with Derek Stepan right now because the Rangers have to do something to get Stepan out of the scoring funk. I mean, he did score, uh, so good for him. Uh, let's uh, clap it up for him. He's got one one score over the last 23 games, so now uh, now he's breaking out of it. We're going to have a full full couple of games of uh, scoring from Derek Stepan. So very nice. So you got to do what you got to do to make sure Stepan is – Basically, you know, kind of the same principle that we're having here with Hank, where it's not so much I'm worried about what Stepan does the rest of this season. I'm worried about what Stepan's going to do in the playoffs. And if we have to get Stepan going, which means he has to play right now with Kreider and Zuccarello, because I think they create the most scoring opportunities for Stepan. So that leaves your Zabinajad, your Nash, and a winger to play with them. And Buchnevich has been and will continue to be the most logical partner for those two. It just makes sense. And putting Buchnevich with Nash also helps because, again, Nash is fantastic in the defensive zone. He back checks with the best of them. He is He's a two-way hockey player. fourth best defenseman on this team. We've mentioned that multiple times. If you want, if you want to try and disguise some of Buchnevich's inabilities defensively, you have to put him with Nash. That simple. And I think that's what the AV's doing. Now, two of our worst nightmares are going to come back from injury. Kevin Klein and Dan Girardi. And they'll mm-hmm. be back soon. Yep. This team right now as is, and I, I can't really shit on Steve Camper, because he's been okay. He has, he's been fine. Yeah, he's been fine. So it's, it's hard for me to be like, put our boy Clendenning back in there, even though it just shows how much they hate Clendenning, that they are not playing him. Uh, they found a way not to play him when both Dan Girardi and Klein were both injured. So I think he's, yep. he's, he's sure absolutely did. in the doghouse, and uh, it was a good run, buddy. I, I loved you. I wish you would have came on this podcast, but I think it's over at this point. I mean, you can still come on the podcast. Yeah, you can still come that on. That doesn't stop. We're not stopping. You should still come on, man. We know you listen. Like, let's not lie. Stop, Adam. But it just seems that AV doesn't want to play him. Obviously, Steve Caffer's taking his spot. They've shifted the defense a little bit. Brandon Smith has gone to, I believe, the second line, and that would bring up Mark Stahl up to the first line to play with uh, Ryan McDonough, who's been playing better as of late, as we've said. Now, when these two players come back from injury, what happens? Like, are we really going to play them? This is what we're playing right now is probably our optimal defense, I have to say, right? That, we're playing our best six guys, with the exception of maybe not playing Quindanning over Camper or Stahl. Uh, AV has been saying good things about Camper in the media, which makes me think he's not necessarily adverse to keeping Klein, at the minimum, Klein out. Um, and quite honestly, does it sound like Klein's coming back anytime soon? I don't get the vibe that Klein is nearing a return. Uh, from what I read, he's he's not 
too far away, so maybe I, I got the wrong sources there, but I would not want him to be back on this team right now. And especially the same goes for Dan Girardi. I just can't have that. I can't be breaking up this defense when... I mean, I know we played shit teams this week. Let's not hide it. We didn't play anyone great. And the Lightning tonight will be a good test. Again, because they're a team that's hungry and they're fighting for the playoffs. But they're also a team that's going to be without four first-line centers. And they, I'm sorry, for, not, not first-line centers, but all their centers pretty much. All, all first four of their centers on their lines. So uh, if we don't really beat them when they're down and, 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 uh, and out, but also hungry, I mean, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a weird night. I just don't think this team, this is a team you have to beat. You want to keep them out of the playoffs. They're a team I absolutely despise because of what they did to us in the East Conference Finals. I know they're not a true rival, but they're a rival to me, and it's real to me, damn it. So, I just can't have anyone messing up this defense. And I just... Is there a way that Dan Girardi and Kevin Klein do not come back to this lineup? Uh, both of them? No. I think we're, we're stuck in a world where A.B. is going to get one of them in. I, uh, I can't see A.B. benching... Holden, Smith, or Shea. Or McDonough. To get both of them. Well, I'm not, I'm not even going to say McDonough's okay, name. Okay. Um, he would, but, I, I mean, the realistic fact is in order to get both Klein and Girardi back into the lineup at the same time, he would have to bench not just Camper, but one of Holden, Smith, or Shea. And I just cannot foresee a scenario in which even A.B. at his craziest and dumbest moments, I can't see him justifi- justifiably doing that. I, it, I can see him rotating Girardi and Klein in and out of the same spot and the Rangers sending down Clendenning or Camper. I can, I can totally see that happening, which is enough to frustrate me. I can't see him playing both Klein and Girardi at the same time. It just... The numbers finally don't make sense for that to happen. The Brandon Smith trade makes that impossible. AB's finally you can't seen the light. Shea. I don't Shea. think he's seen the light. I think he's just been, in AB's mind, he's been dealt a tough hand. <laughs> like, AB, oh, I'm sure, has. looks at this as a good problem to have, right? That he's unable to get both Girardi and Klein in the lineup. Whereas every fan and every pundit is like, thanks fucking God, finally, the Rangers have a way to keep AV from doing something so incredibly stupid. Um, so stupid that, but I mean, we would we would murder him like on this podcast if he did one. If, if if we're going to the playoffs, just so just so we're clear, just so we're clear going forward. If we're in the playoffs and Klein and Girardi are on this team in the first round, and we lose those first two games, I don't really care what happens. That's what I'm blaming it on. It doesn't really matter what happens in those games. If like even if we don't score a goal, like those are the two players that should not be playing together on this defense. That's it. Simple as that. Right. Yep. You're absolutely right. Um, and, and yeah, I just, uh, I can't. I, I just, I really can't think of a scenario where Av can justify playing both Klein and Girardi. It, it like. Uh, if he, he he likes Brady Shea, I can't see a scenario where he benched Brady Shea, and it it feels like Brady Shea would be the guy he tries to bench because How, he's though? a rookie. He's been incredible. Exactly. There <laughs> there's no, there is no 
again, like I'm searching for an answer to a question that I don't think is even a question. Well, I'm excited to see how it, it happens. I will say that. Uh, I will say, we, <laughs> we will be covering it here when it does happen. Uh, so let's move right. on. I'm not necessarily overly optimistic that uh, it won't happen. I'm just, I, I just as a rational human being, I can't think of a scenario in where he's benching both Camper and someone else. Jay, or, or just Camper and someone else. Like, I, I get that Camper is not long for this world. Nope. And while I like what Camper has been doing, I mean, I've liked what Clint Dennings has done more. I've made that abundantly clear. Have and we, I think have Camper, we made that clear? Really? Camper has been a perfectly fine average NHL defenseman. I'm not going to, you know, cry over spilt milk if Steve Camper is or isn't playing. The problem, once again, is not that Camper won't be playing. It's that the Rangers will be playing inferior defensemen instead of them, which is the problem. That is the problem. And has been the problem all year. That's been the problem all year. Who are we kidding? It really has. Um, so at this point of the podcast, I would like to go over the upcoming games. But before I do that, I'm going to put my lightning reaction for the game tonight right here. All right. So I don't really know how to feel about tonight's game. Losing to the lightning obviously feels bad. They had legitimately no centers on their team. They're injured up and down. 70% of their roster is injured. We were at home in MSG. We had wide open nets. Puchnevich missed an open net. McDonough played his ass off. Unfortunate deflections get past Ranta. Just a game I really didn't want to lose, but I'm also not sad we lost because it felt like a trap game. Like a, a typical trap game. Seriously, that was a little definition of trap game. And it does keep us sort of in the wildcard spot, which is where I have said multiple times I want to be. So how upset can I really be about it when that's where I said I want to be? You know, right now we were pretty close to within the Capitals. I think we were five points, even though they were a game up. Not that I really want to go ahead and just chase the one seed, especially with Henrik Lundqvist out for two to three weeks. But at this point, I just the team I shouldn't be losing to. Like this, The Rangers are way better than the Lightning up and down right now so it's unfortunate uh definitely some mixed play from stall Buchnevich and some others missed some quality shots just not a game I, I wanted to lose unfortunately we did lose and that's hockey so congratulations to camper he earned that goal he went out there uh took took a shot and finally got his first nhl goal i'm sure that's something he'll remember for a long time when av sends it back down to the hl to let girardi play very nice of him uh, we're on to the weekend it sucks to dwell on a shitty loss against the Lightning for the next couple days, but I'm going to have to live with it at this point. All right, back to me and Greg. Okay, and I'm glad that went well. Uh, I had a great time hey, good watching. good job, Ryan. Thanks, you, you, man. You did great. I really did. I, you know, I, I really gave it my all in that little monologue about this awful Lightning game tonight that really was, was stressful to watch, or we won and it was amazing. All right, upcoming schedule. Not a lot going on this week. We have a back-to-back on the weekend. Which is, you know, oh, we should mention that we will be together this weekend for the first time in a long time. Hey, hey buddy. Uh, So we will be watching March Madness uh, together up in Albany. Oh. I will be, Absolutely. There will be a, uh, some, now, some sort of drinking, you, I believe. You do. Yeah, you will, you will be. I'm not really going to be able to drink Friday, dude. Oh, because you have uh, work on the Saturdays. I got to go. To, I gotta, yeah, I got to be at work at 4 a.m. on Saturday. Easy, crazy. So I'll be hanging out for a while, but yeah. I'd stop short of saying I'm going to be able to, you know, have Go a, drink for drink. Right. No, no way. 
Whoa. Uh, all right. So, upcoming schedule this weekend. What was the whoa? What'd you, what'd you woe me for, bro? I, I woed because I had a little weird noise in my headphones, and I'm not sure if it's recording or not, but I'm going to find out in post. So that's fun. Okay, that right. should be great. All right, fine, great. Here we go. Upcoming schedule. We have the Panthers on Friday. It is National Submarine Day. And Greg, I think it's a perfect time to celebrate National Submarine Day on Friday because Bodie McBoatface Submarine went out today. And uh, just congratulations to Bodie McBoatface and all its supporters to go out to explore the urban seas. On, on submarine. Are we talking? Are we talking submarine the the naval vessel, or are we talking submarine the sandwich? Uh, we're talking submarine the naval sandwich. <laughs> the naval submarine. So it, you did you didn't answer my question. You, the, the boat. Yeah, we're talking the boat. Yes, the thing I, that goes underwater. I said the, naval the, sandwich, but the, yes, it's it's the it's the boat that goes underwater and it explores the seas. I don't know what sandwich you know that explores the seas when I said that. No, you uh, you know. Sub is short for I, submarine, right? I like know, a sandwich. But during that time of the do you? Because the way you're answering this question makes it sound like you don't. During the time of the description, I said, "Explore the urban seas." What ham, turkey, and cheese have you seen exploring the urban seas? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I would like to point out that I did not hear you say that. I know. <laughs> we'll check the tape. <laughs> uh, all right. So yes, uh, Bodie McBoatface. I just like to say congratulations. Uh, something I supported. And I, I'm, I'm always a fan of submarines when they go out, except uh, there was one time back in the 1940s I don't want to talk about. All right, the next... U571, decent movie. Underrated movie, U571. The next day on the back-to-back is March 18th, and this is National Corn Dog Day. Greg, is a corn dog a kebab? Uh, oh, here we go. I'll wait, um... I'll wait my friend. I, I'm going to say no. I think a kebab needs more than one food item on it. Like, just because the food is on a stick does not make it a kebab. Does that I, make a popsicle a kebab? Ooh, a, a corn dog might be a popsicle. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Because I had this. I think a corn, dog, a corn dog has more popsicle properties than it does a kebab property. That's totally fair. I think you've a, already convinced I me. Think a, I think now if you put a, like, a corn dog nugget on a stick with, you know, grilled vegetables or some other accoutrement. Cor- then, corn yeah, dog I'd give you with vegetables. I, I'd say gross. a corn dog can be a part of a kebab, but by definition, I don't think a corn dog by itself is a kebab. Hmm, hmm, hmm. I think it's a singular kebab, but is that, is that even a thing? I think it's more of a popsicle, like you said. No, I, I think I think a kebab is plural. Hmm. I think by definition, a kebab must contain multiple things, at least. Because multiple types of food. Let's go to the kebab for a second. If you just put a chicken on a stick, it's not a kebab. It's just chicken on a stick, right? Right. Okay, I see your. But point. by definition, if you're saying a, if you're saying a corn dog is a kebab, then chicken on a stick is also a kebab. That's fair. I do want to talk about these games a little bit. I know we don't actually preview games, but I think this Friday might be the game we start Helberg. Just because. I don't. I, I, I don't think it's going to be one of the first back-to-backs, especially considering between now and the weekend, there's nothing. If there was a game on, say, if we had, we had the game tonight, if there was another game Wednesday, and then we had a back-to-back Saturday-Sunday, yeah, I'd say the second game of that, Helberg would play. But the fact that Ronson's going to have off, he's going to have off this entire week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mm. and you're just asking him to play Friday-Saturday, I think he plays all three games this week. That might be. I think Helberg, Helberg's start is going to come closer to Hank's return than. Uh, to me. Uh, whatchamacallit. 
I, I get what you're saying. To me, my logic is actually, you want to play the wild. You don't have no logic. You want to play the wild on Saturday tough. This is a, a, a playoff team that you could test yourself against. This is sort of like so a remind tr- me why, are you trying to say that Helberg, in order to play... No, Helberg would play Friday against the Panthers, and then we would play Ronta on Saturday versus the Wild. No, I just think Ronta plays all three games. Yeah, I, I don't, I see what you're trying to say. I just, in this scenario, I don't think there's any way Ronta doesn't play all three. Okay, there might be enough time and you might be right. I just, I feel like the Panthers are kind of a soft team right now. Not really in, uh, no, I mean, no, no team in hockey is soft except for uh, the Avalanche, but... Just feels like this would be the right time to maybe just give Helberg a taste. Even if you're going to maybe play him two games, you can get him in this game and another one. You keep Ronta rested, and you really test yourself on Saturday night versus the Wild. But maybe you don't want to be testing your whole team on versus the Wild on a back-to-back anyway. So uh, maybe my logic's a little flawed there. But that's that's how I'd like to see the Rangers handle this if I was, uh, well, as a fan, I guess I would say. I I just think the Helberg start's going to come a lot closer to uh, Hank's return than it will this early on there's just there is enough time for Ronta to get ample rest and play a back-to-back is my only point okay let's move on to absolutely nonsense uh thank you all for listening if you're here for just rangers we're going to move on to nonsense we are breaking away and transition greg i need not to your, know not your best i not didn't your best. i didn't think it was when was my best what is my best to be honest i don't know i'm just saying that definitely wasn't it okay that's fine I, I listen. I'll, I'll go to the tape. I'll watch the video. I'll come back. I'll be like, okay, what did I do wrong here? I need to know what you, you think up. about Tim Tebow. Because <laughs> I'm not what I thought you were going to ask. I've been waiting for this rant. We didn't talk about it last week. Uh, I don't have a rant. I really don't have a rant. I I I think it's nonsense that people give a shit. Uh, I think there are perfectly explainable reasons why the Mets are doing this. Is it financial only? Um, I think that's definitely a significant part of it. I've always, uh, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Okay, me too. As Brian Wotanik would say, I just like to connect the dots. Or as part of my take with Um, (laughs) You may not know this, but good old Tim Tebow shares an agent with a certain left fielder for the New York Mets. I think you've mentioned this. By the name of Yoannis Cespedes. Yes, you have mentioned this. I, I will take to my grave that the uh, the reason why the Mets signed Tebow was a little under-the-table deal with the agent saying, look, if we put Tebow on the roster, you give us a not just a fair shake, but you tilt the tables for us to re-sign Mr. Yoannis Cespedes. Hmm. Now, has Tebow performed that's, that's at all? That's always been part of it. At, at, at minor league level, has he like has he been no, okay? No, he was. I think he hit 185 in the Arizona Fall League, yes. uh, which in the business is called not great or I even bad. bad. Yes, I think he struck out over a third of his at bats. He's only like one for four. He got his first hit of spring training today. He's like one for 14 against. Actual people that'll be playing actual baseball. Hey, man, he scored a run uh, by, by batting into a double play. That's, you know, he's doing his part. He's a team player. Here's the thing. I don't, I'm not going to get worked up about a 29-year-old left fielder that's going to be spending the summer in Brooklyn. I just don't care. Like, 
he's not ever going to have a meaningful Mets moment. Is he still he's playing in Brooklyn going... by July? That's my question. Yeah, you think absolutely. So? No, 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 no. I, I, yeah. I was like, does he, has he, is he still playing baseball in July? Is there, or is he just yeah. quit? He's well, doing something unless, else? unless, you know, the SEC network calls and he has to go back. I think he'll go back. Um, I mean, absolutely he'll go back because he makes a lot of money doing it. Everything's about money, right? Money for Tebow. He's getting paid. He got a nice bonus to come to the Mets. And money for the Mets because, you know what? The Mets own that team in Brooklyn. That means every ticket that is sold for the Brooklyn team goes immediately back into the pockets of the Wilpons. And you know what's an easy way to sell tickets in Brooklyn? Tim Tebow. Put Tim Tebow on the field. People will see Tim Tebow. People will they travel care if Tim to see Tim Tebow. doesn't matter what he's doing. People don't, people don't care if Tim Tebow's good at baseball. People just want to see Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is a spectacle, all right? And baseball, at the end of the day, is a spectator sport. And sometimes that involves a little fan service. I don't think anybody that has taken this whole Tim Tebow thing as the Mets viewing him as a serious major league prospect Man, what the hell are you doing? Stop watching baseball. That's not what the Mets see this as. This is a marketing opportunity for the Mets. They know exactly what this is. And you know what they're going to do? They're just going to ride the wave, man. Why wouldn't you? It's free money, right? Why wouldn't you? It's free money. It's literally free money. (laughs) You paid for it, but it's return of the best. I don't don't spend any time in my day checking the box score to see if some people played, to see how many hits he had. To see if he struck out, I don't care. And yet, you know, he's I just don't care. And Met fans, there is no Met fan that should care. Met fans, let basically let Tebow have his fun. He's not taking any meaningful at bats away from a prospect in Brooklyn. The people that will be playing with Tim Tebow in Brooklyn are going to be draft picks in June. That the the great ones will get their at bats anyway. There are two other outfield spots. You don't, there's no such thing as a left field prospect in my mind in Brooklyn. If you're an outfielder worth a damn, you're playing center field or right field. Let's say, or anywhere, really. Right. Basically, most top outfield prospects, when they get to Brooklyn, are center fielders. Yep. Um, Michael Conforto might be the lone exception. But I think the Mets were playing him in left and in right. That's because his bat is special. Though. When he was in, his bat is special. So Michael Conforto, the outfielder, doesn't really matter. Michael Conforto, the hitter, is really all that mattered for the Mets when he was in Brooklyn. And still all that matters for the Mets. It just so happens that Conforto is also a half-decent, not just half-decent, a very talented left fielder and a very decent right fielder. Uh, and apparently can hold his own and left. I'm not too worried about I mean, center field. I not too worried about him. I just hope he can bat this year. I'm just... That's all I'm saying. He will. He'll be fine. Just so um, we're clear, I, I am a pseudo-Mets fan now. I hope you're aware. Like, I, I, they're I'm my aware. National League team. Because the Rays are going to suck balls. They're going to be awful. Well, so, I, don't, I don't think necessarily the Rays are going to suck. It's just the Rays are at best, what, the fourth team in the AL East? The, fourth the AL team. East is just very good. They might be the fifth team. AL East is very good. Yeah, like the Orioles are pretty good. They, they might be. They might be. It's either them or the Orioles in my mind. It's, it's, the Yankees are young. The Red Sox are insanely talented. Oh, God. And the Blue Jays are still the Blue Jays. Yeah, Blue Jays still got firepower. They're not going – I mean, I, losing Edwin, Edwin is really tough on that team. But 
Other than- I, if I'm a Blue Jay fan, I would have rather lost Jose Batista than Edwin Carnacion. Me too. If I'm being perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, I think that's obvious. They, but they, they kind of yeah. like pity um, resigned it because it took forever. They're going to change that in the CBA. I, I, I will say, while, while we're just quickly on the topic of Michael Conforto, um, I think he starts the year in the majors. I think he gets three starts a week playing center once and right field twice. Wait, so he's going to play center Gabriel, in the majors? Yeah, he's already played center in the majors. That's where the Mets shoehorned him in a little last year. Okay. All right. He played. He was all right. I mean, I'm not trying to say he's going to win a gold glove in center field. I'm saying you can survive with him in center field. Okay. He's right. not as fast as I would like him to be, but he's got decent range, and he's got a decent arm. He's got a better arm than Curtis Granderson, who's going to be the everyday center fielder. Let okay. me say that. You're right. You're right. Curtis Granderson's, Curtis Granderson's arm makes me sad. Like, it literally depresses me out. It, but, it, is, it is the very definition of a wet noodle. But he does everything um, else pretty well. Curtis Granderson, that is. Grandy, yeah. I, Grandy, I think, is maybe the most underrated bat in the Mets lineup. Um, and his ability to, you know, work deep counts, draw walks, hit the occasional – more than the occasional homer is vastly underrated in the Mets lineup. But uh, my point about Conforto, if Jay Bruce struggles in the month of April, I don't think the Mets have any qualms, any problems, just benching Jay Bruce straight up, just not playing him. I don't think the Mets care if Jay Bruce – they definitely don't care about Jay Bruce's development. He's 30 years old. They, do, they will not owe him another dime after this season. So if Jay Bruce is struggling, Michael Conforto will be the everyday right fielder because the Mets know this is a team that not only can make the playoffs but can make a very deep run. Aren't you going to want So they're not going to waste mm. – I was going to say, wouldn't you want to play they're not, Bruce they're just not gonna waste time. and hope he gets off to a hot start and then shop him around as hard as possible for anything? Uh, match, no matter what happens, Jay Bruce is going to get the month of April. Okay. I, 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 that's what I'm telling you. I think Jay Bruce will start, if not every day, almost every day in right field in the month of April because he's either going to get off to a blazing hot start and the Mets will find a taker for him, or he's going to struggle and then he'll spend the rest of the season as – a left-handed pinch hitter. Okay, I, I, He'll have I mean, the month of April. I used to like Jay Bruce a lot, but I, I did not like that trade for the Mets in general. I'm not sure it was a bad trade. It just didn't work out. Uh, I think Jay Bruce uh, had a, career, at had a the time, and just like... At the, at, yeah, at the time... At the time, I mean, you have to remember what kind of position the Mets were in They were in, in a very July. bad they position. Were, they, were, they were looking like they weren't going to make the playoffs. And they were looking like they weren't even going to come close to making the playoffs. They looked like they were dead in the water. They couldn't hit for shit. And, of course, Jay Bruce didn't hit for shit when he got here. No, but about like 180. That's, that's, and, look, you also have to remember, not only was Cespedes hurt, there was a realistic chance the Mets weren't going to re-sign Cespedes. I remember. I, I, <laughs> I was preparing myself for life without Cespedes. And they needed Jay Bruce. The whole reason they picked up Jay Bruce's option is because – Cespedes was no guarantee to come back. Yep. So that's the only reason the Mets even picked up the option. If the Mets knew that Yoannis Cespedes was coming back in free agency, I think they would have declined. There's no way. There's well, no way they pay him. No, they, they still would have picked up the I don't think anyone predicted the power-hitting market to be as depressed as it was this offseason. That's because the no fact one that wants to Edward, trade first-round picks at all. Like, no one wants to get rid of those well, anymore. Yeah. No one... I mean, nobody basically signed Jose Batista. He had to settle. Edwin Encarnacion got 
sixty million dollars over four years. That's that's or still was it, ridiculous was it 80? to me. I think he, he it was either sixty or eighty. Antonacion, we were all thinking he was going to get a six-figure deal. Yeah, hundred million. And sure, he, five years. He, he didn't even come close. No. Um, the Mets couldn't trade Bruce. The Mets would have loved to trade Bruce. They just couldn't. So yeah, teams this is a long him. way of saying he, he had a he was an the trade here. the trade at the time and the trade at the time. You know I love Dilson Herrera. Dilson Herrera I do know. has got a soft spot in my heart. At the end of the day, though, and I think I've said this even before the Herrera trade, Dilson and Gavin Cicchini are basically the same player. Yeah, and you also have they're, they're, the Mets prospects are stacked, my friend. I know you know this. Well, I'm, no, I, I know this. I'm, I mean, next year, it's crazy to think about it, but... Um, Lucas Duda will not be a Met next year, yep. and neither will is Drupal Cabrera, and the Mets already have their replacements. I really like Dom Smith. Oh. I think he's going to be a f- fantastic bat. It I don't is. think he'll ever hit 30 home runs a year like Lucas Duda, but I think he's going to hit 320, uh, and he is James a Loney dynamic. Like. He is a dynamic first baseman, and I know it's weird to say any first baseman is dynamic defensively because it's not a position that is often viewed as I mean, we're we're in New defensive. York. Teixeira was pretty dynamic for a while here. Yeah, he's he's going to be special, and he's only 21. Ahmed Rosario is special right now. Yeah, and the fact that I missed on that one, he, man. That's he's shot up the prospect lists all across everywhere. Now he's like ranked number three on Fangraphs. He is a monster. So he's a beast, and he is the Mets. Look, when the Mets signed his Drupal Cabrera to a two-year deal, it was. With the knowledge that at the end of that contract, Ahmed Rosario was going to be ready, which makes that an even better contract in my mind. And he's going to be too. Got a, I, I, do, I, think, I think if the Mets, you know, if the Mets' hands was forced, I think Rosario could play this year. Um, he's still a little young, he's, has a little development to do, but he could feel, yeah, he could feel the major. Absolutely. I'm in, I'm in no hurry to get him up here. I'm just saying if, and look, this is also a year where the Mets, for the first time in as long as I can remember, have more depth than they even know what to do with. It's actually if, insane. If is <laughs> Dribble Cabrera, like David Wright's already hurt, and the Mets are like, well, that, that's fine. We still don't have enough at-bats for TJ Rivera. Yeah. Like, there are, there are so many infielders on this Mets team. The Mets are going to break camp with Wright on the DL, Duda at first, Neil Walker at second, is Dribble Cabrera at short, Jose Reyes okay. at third, Wilmer Flores is going to be the utility guy playing literally all four infield positions. It's weird that then you have Wilmer's T- good too, man. Like he's not a bad player. Yeah, TJ Rivera hit fucking three thirty for the Mets last year. <laughs> it's like one hundred and twenty at bat, and and with and when David Wright's healthy, TJ Rivera will be in the minor leagues. Like that's how ridiculous the Mets' depth is for the first time in years. I honestly cannot remember yeah. the last time the Mets' depth maybe was never this good. That's not the scary. And maybe part. not. The scary part is the pitching depth. That's really where it gets terrifying. You're fifth. Right, because the Mets have the Mets have legitimately seven starting pitchers. And just are is like not legit. Just, Dude is legit. Not just major league quality starting pitchers, but I'm talking four of them are potential all stars. Seth Lugo doesn't even have a fucking spot in the rotation. Nope. Currently. And probably not getting it. It's unreal. Yeah. Everyone's talking about, oh, if the Mets can stay healthy. The Mets don't even need to stay healthy. The Mets just can't be as injured as they were last year. Nope. Just like, can't do that. It's, that. That's all the Mets need. I, 
I get a little frustrated when people say, oh, well, the Mets can't stay healthy. I'm not asking them to stay healthy. I'm legitimately just asking them not to die like they did last year, where all five starting pitchers get hurt and your entire starting infield is out and your entire outfield, not named Granderson, is dead. Pretty much. That's all I want. That's it. If the Mets stay 60% more healthy this year than last year, I think, look, I'm not in love with the Nationals. What, what about Trey Turner scares the shit out of me. That will never change. Can I, can I do a Bill Bryce Simmons Harper, for a second? Are we sure Trey Turner's good? Sure. Are we sure he's yes. good? He's been up for like one year. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident Trey Turner's good. I'm just asking the question. Trey Turner... I see that's him. fine, and that's fair. He's top 20 in, like, uh, I, you know, we, we're getting ready for fantasy season because we're nerds. He's top 20 on, like, regular lists. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? There's no way this guy's that good. Well, yeah, well, you have to remember, he's going to steal about 40 bases this year. And, and that, that's where a, a, lot a lot of, of his runs, fantasy so. value is derived from. Yeah. He's going to score a lot of runs. He's going to steal a lot of bases. And he's probably going to hit, what, 280? So there's yeah. – I understand the fantasy value. Um I think Trey Turner is very good. I'd say, I, gotta, I think Trey Turner scares me more than Bryce Harper. I think there's always been a way Whoa. to get Bryce Harper out. Whoa. There's that always been a way take. to get Bryce Harper out. There's always a way to get him out. I don't think Bryce Harper... Because he's, he's kind of strike, he's, his strikeouts are pretty high, especially the last year. Bryce Harper is not Mike Trout, right? No. No, there no are one's Mike Trout. Bryce, Mike Trout's a right, goddamn there legend. Are a weather Bryce Harper game, just like... I am more afraid of... John Carlos Stanton than I am Bryce Harper. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's just because Stanton is notorious for killing the Mets, and it feels like every time Stanton comes to the plate, he's not just hitting home runs, he's hitting home runs worth six points. Uh, <laughs> I just, I've, I've always felt like oh, if going- it was Bryce Harper against any of the Met pitchers, I always felt the advantage was in the Mets pitchers. I'll be honest, I didn't, did not expect this podcast to go full baseball, but now I have to go to certain places. Do you think Mike Trout we have to. Is, is right now literally at home touching himself over this storm? Not that he's anywhere near New York, but he's just oh. excited that he's like 12 to, 12 to 18 inches, 46 mile per Mike, hour winds. <laughs> Mike Trout probably had the day off from Angel's camp today. To spend the entire day in his basement just studying the storm. I swear to God, his his he just has a couple weather channels on. He has like all the websites. His his computer, like his favorites, when he opens up Chrome, is just a bunch of tabs for weather sites. It's like Weather Underground, Weather.com, AccuWeather. Well, his his parents probably still live in Jersey, right? They but do. His parents are probably just talking to him on the phone all day, like Michael. What Michael? What do you think this storm's gonna do, Michael? <laughs> all right, I had to get that in. This is yeah. This is Mike Trout's. This is Mike Trout's uh, Christmas, without a doubt. Oh, he fucking loves. Yeah, he loves he's like, this shit. He's like Jim. He's like Jim Cantore during fucking Thunder Snow. He's the most boring best baseball player of all time. It's I don't know of all time. I don't really know what else to say about him. He's unbelievable, and he's an incredible talent that'll possibly be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he continues what he did the first five years to the next five. So, I think that's all. Uh, I think if Mike Trout, if Mike Trout's career ended tomorrow, he's a Hall of Famer. I agree with you. So. Uh, I do want to mention Giancarlo. Oh my God, I can't say his name. Mike Stan, remember him? Uh, Giancarlo Stan. Do you think Giancarlo? He's a, Giancarlo, sorry. Do you think he's a dark horse MVP candidate this year? Because I kind of thought about him for a while. His odds aren't too bad. I'm gonna, bring him up. Uh, I'm gonna say no, just because I 
Look, I know we're, we're slowly getting to a point where the MVP doesn't need to be on a playoff team, and obviously that was the case last year with Mike Trout. I don't think the Marlins are going to be good at all. Um, I think the Marlins, in fact, are going to be quite bad. They just the, – the saddest, most baseball reality of Jose Fernandez's death is that the Marlins just don't have pitching. Oh they God. barely had pitching with Fernandez, but, I mean, their ace is – the number one is probably Yin Chen. Okay. They, they don't have pitching. They don't have any pitching. They don't have anything that resembles a starting pitcher in my mind. Um, a good one. And they're in a division where the Mets and the Nationals are both going to be 90-win teams. I think people need to wake up and realize the Phillies aren't going to be bad this year. I think the Phillies are going to be quite good. Uh, the Braves aren't going to be a dumpster fire. They're not going to be great. They'll approach maybe 75 to 80 wins, um, but they're not going to be like the 65-win dumpster fire they were last year. I think it's more likely the Marlins finish fifth than it is the Marlins finish second. Okay. And that's not because I think I, – I, the, the Marlins will be closer to the basement than they will the Mets or the Nationals. I just right. – they don't, they don't have pitching. They don't have a bullpen. They don't have starting pitching. They have nothing I would classify as a remotely talented pitcher. Would, like, what, what would Stanton AJ, have to do? AJ Ramos is probably their best pitcher. Is he not? Yeah, he probably is. Is there a pitcher better on their team than AJ Ramos? Would Stanton have to hit like 50 home runs and have like. I, does, that, does that even matter anymore? I, Stanton would basically have to win the Triple Crown. Okay. In order. In order because. I, the Marlins are going to be that bad, I think. I think it's, unless Stanton literally puts the team on his back, hits 350 with 60 homers and 140 RBI, I don't think the Marlins win. They won 78 games last year. I don't think they win that many this year. I think they're more like a 70-win team than an 80-win team. I've spent the last four minutes as we were talking here looking for MVP odds for the M- MLB. I cannot find them. I found a bunch of odds from September 2016. I don't think, I don't think they're out yet. Okay. Um I know my website that I use for not quite legal gambling hasn't even posted um, MLB win totals yet. Okay. Yeah. Also, we should mention we're doing a special podcast tomorrow. I was about to ask uh, you. With a good friend of ours for March Madness. We are also go- definitely doing a special over-under podcast. Like, oh, for baseball? We need to. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there's a 100% we're, chance we're doing that. So Yeah. Because um, I, I have... I have hot takes, not just that Bryce Harper doesn't scare me. Like, that might be my scorching, scorchiest hot take. I, uh, I will be very I, ready for that podcast. I'll, I'll be yeah, revved up. Bryce Harper, I'm so excited for Bryce Harper and Matt Harvey to go to the Yankees and for them just not to be good. They're definitely like, going there, right? I, I, do, do the Yankees really want Matt Harvey there now? The only – Harvey – is Harper is like already a Yankee. In my He's mind. already I, a I, Yankee. He's already wearing pinstripes right now, guys. So Yankee fans right. listening that um, are pissed about to talk about the Mets all the time, which I totally get. You're getting Bryce Harper. So just know that. Yeah, you're, and you're more than you're more than likely getting Matt Harvey too. The question, the the real question with Matt Harvey is one: Is he even going to be worth getting? Like that what? Was, that was there my is point. a scenario. There is a scenario where Matt Harvey just. This was a very serious surgery he's had. He's had maybe the two most serious arm-related surgeries a pitcher could possibly have. And, you know, he's only throwing low 90s, 
he's topping out 95 right now in spring training. Not really and yeah, it's just spring training and things can change, but there is a narrative where Matt Harvey just is never the 2013 Matt Harvey again. Which was the, one of the most dominant pitchers I've ever seen. He finished third in the Cy Young voting, missing six, the last six weeks of the season. That's so... And you know what? Fair being fair, he was great in 2015, too. Yeah, so it's fair. And that was the year after, that was the year after surgery. So there is, I, I mean, I'm not saying he's cooked. I'm just saying not every pitcher comes back from Tommy John and thoracic outlet syndrome. What is Noah Syndergaard two, throwing right now in camp? 101, 102? Syndergaard, the report today is Syndergaard's been pitching with bronchitis for all of uh, camp. He was sitting 96-97 today. That's ridiculous. That guy's a monster. But again, <laughs> like the fact that Syndergaard's sitting 96-97 and people are like, what's wrong with Syndergaard? <laughs> <laughs> is he okay? Is like, he right? his, his, slider, his slider topped out at 92 and people are like, is, is Noah okay? <laughs> like that that's how otherworldly and ridiculous yeah that's how that's how ridiculous Syndergaard is where you know it's a legitimate conversation on Mets Twitter like is Syndergaard hurt <laughs> like, he's only throwing 97 I'm concerned this, I, uh... it's hard I will say uh, no one myself included should ever look at our radar gun in spring training it's no. just, it's just I don't want it. Noah Syndergaard throwing 100 miles an hour in February there's no need that's not yourself. something yeah, I, I don't want it. I, I, I want him going 60% at all times. I don't want him pitching 80% until we're two weeks out. I don't want him going 90% until we're one week out. And then I want him full capacity for April, what, what is it, 3rd? April 4th? April 3rd? Something like that. I, you're good, Noah. Just chill. You're good, chill. You're throw, good. throw 80 for all I care. Just well, be, read, be ready to go day one. That's all I need. That was a very long oh, baseball rant that I didn't think we'd get on, but here we are. Um, we always do stuff like here that. We are. Last topic for the day, and we're getting out of here. Logan, right. you and I both saw Logan over the last week. Oof. Yes. Not your typical superhero movie, I would say. Uh, not really reminiscent of Deadpool, other than a lot of cursing. I will say there was a lot of cursing. It did feel not forced. A lot of cursing. Not forced, but you could tell that you, Jackman, was like, this is the movie where I'm going to drop the F-bomb as much as possible. Well... The- so what I didn't realize is this was the first R-rated, was this the first R-rated, not the first R-rated Marvel, but the first second. R-rated of the X-Men series, right? It's the second R-rated Marvel movie, pretty much, mostly. I'm not counting, like, Ghost Rider uh, well, and Dead, I guess, I guess Deadpool is the X-Men series. It's the, first rated, it's the first R-rated movie that involved Wolverine. There you go. Yeah, everything else has um, been PG-13. He's been, like, there's been really no blood. He's been, like, in Japan or China. Uh... So it hasn't been great. This movie, on the other hand, was absolutely brutal. It was not John Wick, John Wick 2 with action. It did have a little bit of low point, I would say. But those low points, you knew what was going to happen. They were sad. And the movie was heavy, Greg. A lot heavier oh, than heavy. I was ready for. I, I, I knew it was great. I honestly thought it was getting... I, I'm bad about reading. I'm not great about reading reviews. Like I'll peep Rotten Tomatoes to see what the movie is getting rated. But I'm not going to read a movie review per se. Right. Um, so I thought all the praise for Logan coming in was partially because it's, uh, it was like, I thought it was going to be edgier and I thought it was going to be action packed. And I thought that's why it was getting the crazy reviews it was getting. I was not prepared for the emotional roller coaster that it took me on. 
me either. I will say that I did tear up a little bit. I was not ready. Uh, for some reason, my body just was like, hey, what's up, tears? Now we're, now we're doing this. I was like, I'm in a superhero movie right now. What is happening? So uh, I, I would rec- highly recommend everyone else out there to go see it. I do have a lot of questions that I won't ask because they're spoilers. Um, that were that were. Very- what was I'm that? probably not the guy to ask either. I'm not the guy to ask either because I have probably seen what four X Men movies in total. I just what I need is someone to put the X Men movies in order for me, from the first to the like. In chronological order, not order in which they came out. This is the, um, obviously the last one. That's in 2029. Uh, Hugh Jackman said that uh, this would be the last one, so he was just done with it after that. Uh, now, the first, there's the first three X-Men, which is X1, X2, X3. They go in order. And then there's... Uh, no, but isn't like Days of Future Past technically before... I, I was about to get to that. So like, so the way this works like is... It's kind of like the, it's the Fast movies, where Tokyo Drift is the third movie, in air quotes, but... It does not come third in the series. Well, no. I need someone to put I got the this. series in order. For you me. ready? I'm pretty sure I know. So it's yeah. X, X1, 2, and 3. Then there's First Class, which is way back when, because they're recasting everyone. So it, it's, so it, technically it's, it, isn't it's First a, Class first? It, it's a different timeline. It's an entirely different timeline. Uh, there are two. And then Days of, Future, yeah, Days of Future Past mixes both of them. Because those the first cast from, Days, from, from First Class is still alive in their timeline. And the way that they have to get saved is from the other timeline. So they say they're two different timelines, but Wolverine happens to be in both. That's why you are confused. That shit confuses the ever level. There fuck you go. Out of me. There you go. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not great. I'm, I'm just not great with the X-Men movies. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm not even great with the fucking um, Game Avenger Force. movies. Oh. I've seen, I haven't seen, uh, I have, I, Civil War is on, um, Netflix. I still just haven't seen it. That's. I haven't seen Iron Man. I haven't seen Iron Man three. I'll stop you there. I haven't seen the second Thor. You don't need to see them. I haven't seen. Don't need to see. Um, them. I don't uh, think I've seen Winter Soldier in full. Okay. I've definitely seen parts of Winter Soldier. The Marvel movies you need to watch are Winter Soldier. That's that's maybe the best Marvel movie other than Guardians. Guardians is the best Marvel movie. It's not close. My personal opinion. I've seen Guardians. I loved Guardians. Best best Marvel movie not close. Then Winter Soldier might be number 2 or number 3 because Civil War is number 2 or 3. Those are the top 3. Other than that, you really don't really need to there's no ones you really need to delve into. Iron Man 3 is pretty not great and Thor 2 is also not great. So, uh, they're good not great. I will say that. So, those now, are the top 3. Thor 3, Thor isn't the third Thor getting some early buzz because it's kind of it's it's supposed to be edgier too. It's edgier and it mixes, and also Loki is back again because they can't have a better Jesus, villain. I, how many times can he die? Because they, how many times I, I don't think he Tom ever dies. Die. He just—they don't have a better villain than Tom Hiddleston. He's incredible. So, like, what do you do? He's just really good. So he might even be playing a good guy this time. I'm not sure. So I know that there might be a mix with Guardians of the Galaxy, and I know Hulk is, might be there. That's all I know. So, uh, well, I know the timelines. The timelines are supposed to mesh between. Um, right, because they're all, they're all leading towards this huge event, which is Age of Ultron, which is the big, the right. big end all be all for the Marvel series. Not wait, not wait, Age of Ultron. Oh, sorry, uh, whatever the Power Glove guy is. It's no Age of Ultron was the other one. God damn it. Yeah, Age of Ultron's already happened. Okay, the other one. There's another one that's coming. The the two the Power Gem series. I know exactly what they are. I don't know the name of them. Infinity Gauntlet. That's what it is. Nerd nerd time. Sure. Yeah, the two Infinity Gauntlet ones. Thanos, whatever. Okay. 
Uh, enough nerd talk. Thanos. That's the name I've heard before. Yeah, he's a he's a big bad. So that's a, he's going to be the end all be all of that series. I think that that actually might end the cast casting for those characters. I think that's when their contract runs out. So we'll see how that happens. Um, they play that right. Out. That makes that makes sense. Okay. Uh, enough of that. Everyone, go see Logan if you can. If you're ready for a deep dark dive into your soul and a lot of action and a lot of blood and guts, that which was uh, very nice to see. I would have to say. And uh, uh, I will say, uh, Mo Movie Monday this week, which is a thing uh, we're doing Wednesdays. King Kong. Oh, yeah, okay. we're doing we're doing Kong Skull Island. So I'm I'm a little excited for that. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Kong. I've never been Again, a Kong guy. I've never been any of that stuff. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Kong. For whatever reason, my dad's a Kong guy. I I know this is weird for you because uh, what what like what's, you know what's that? <laughs> um, my dad being a Kong guy has kind of made me a Kong guy. Okay. Like I like that it gets my dad excited. Okay, that's fair. That makes sense. I just I just jumped off the map with Winston. I fucking suck with. Him. Okay. All right. Very relevant, by the way. <laughs> Uh, to this conversation, King Kong. All right, guys, we'll be back tomorrow, I think, um, to record yep. our March Madness. And uh, I, I will be in a hotel room uh, recording a podcast. Wonderful. Very excited. Don't know how we're going to work this logistics out, but we will figure it out. I will talk to you tomorrow, and uh, we'll post this on Tuesday morning. I hope the Rangers won tonight. I probably talked about it already, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. I hope everyone, I hope everyone survives. Snow apocalypse Mageddon. Mageddon McChicken Nuggets 3 7. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. Love you. Bye. Bye.